If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 1. I hadn't started a series, a new series yet on Wednesday night because I'm going to be uh, out of town a few Wednesday nights. And so I wanted to uh, give these young preachers a chance to preach. And so I'm going to um, preach some, not random messages, but uh, they won't be in a series. Amen? I don't think any of them random. I think it's the Word of God. And you know, I must really need the uh, retreat because I forgot to make a request for my wife. Don't y'all tell her this. I know some of you ladies are going to run right now and say, he didn't even ask prayer for you. But uh, she uh, had a terrible fall about an hour before the service last Wednesday. I couldn't talk her out of coming. She couldn't teach her class, so she stayed down, downstairs and in here and listened to me preach, and which she doesn't mind, but she loves her girls. And I think they moved the class down to the friendship class. I told them just move the whole class down permanently. And um, uh, but she has a black eye from that fall, so I know a lot of people are going to think. Last night I went to Rome Baptist Temple, and they all looked at me like, "Well, you need a couples retreat, amen." You got your wife a black eye, but she had a fall hit the post of the door and uh, uh, bruised her head and, and blacked her eye and. Um, She's doing a, she's having an MRI, and I'm trying to get the hospital to speed it up because it's three weeks from now, so we're trying to get somewhere quicker. So y'all pray that that MRI will take place before three weeks because we're scheduled to be out of town in four weeks. And, of course, the couple's retreat's next week, and there's steps leading down to the, to the meeting room. It's downstairs in a basement, a big basement, beautiful. And, but there's a way to drive around to the outside where you don't have to walk in any steps to get to our three meeting rooms. So I'm excited about that opportunity. And so anyway, please forgive me for not asking you to pray for my dear wife. Uh, she's a blessing. She's a blessing. Went to the revival last night, didn't feel like it. Um, uh, she's always by my side. And she was here Sunday morning, Sunday night. And um, she uh, helped me take the missionaries out to eat. Somebody's got to do it. That was a sacrifice, amen. And... Um, it's just a great young missionary family, wasn't it? Amen? Expecting. And, uh, I, I mean, four weeks, you're going to have a baby. And they're all over America trying to raise money to go to a place called Guadalupe. No, it's not it. No, Mozambique. And I'll tell you something. Mozambique's full of terrorists that'll chop your head off. I hope he's not listening. But uh, I thought, praise God, what a missionary family. They're not afraid to go. Some of y'all be afraid to go to Fifth Avenue, pardon the expression, because you'd be afraid to go after dark. Here's this couple going to Mozambique uh, where there's terrorists. And so, you know, that makes me ashamed of my faithfulness. If they can do that, praise God, I can come to church when I don't feel like it. I can, do, I can keep on going, and I thank God for my wife. 47 years of marriage, she's always been by my side, and she's always encouraged me. And if I can't pray for her, I'm a backslidden husband. I'll tell you that. So pray for her. And pray she'll enjoy the retreat. She loves it so much. Miss Rebecca is going to be do, teaching the ladies on Saturday morning, so she don't have to teach the ladies. But she loves being at those retreats. So I know we'll be there. And if she can't go, I'm going to go by myself. And that would be odd, wouldn't it? Amen? The oddball at the couple's retreat. But uh, so far, she's recovering real good from this fall. Pray it's nothing serious. Philippians chapter 1, please. Philippians chapter 1. I hope Brother Terry Ellis is uh, preaching. I'd like to have him come preach Sunday night if he's available. 
and we'll give him a good love offering for those medical expenses. Or whenever he can come, uh, we'll we'll help him anyway. Uh, but um, I can't believe that uh, the hospital would charge sixty four hundred dollars to a missionary. I thought the government wrote all that stuff up. Biden's slipping, isn't he? I'll tell you what, he ain't going to take care of a missionary. And so don't get me started on that, amen? But uh, uh, I thought you could write that off. But evidently you can't. And uh, so we, the churches need to help. So you pray about that need, okay? Uh, Philippians chapter 1, I'll stop meddling and get to preaching. Uh, but it's been a good week. I'll tell you what, I'm so impressed with our hospital. We was there last night and they just took care care of everything, and I appreciate uh, how they uh, receive us. A lot of times people criticize the hospitals, but you better be glad you got one in the community. Amen? And uh, I think they did a good job. Miss Kathy will say it's a good hospital because that's where she works. Amen? Pays her salary. And she keeps them all straight. Amen? So anyway, uh, Philippians chapter 1. Let's stand on the Word of God. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is verse 12. Amen? We don't fall apart, we fall forward. The Bible says, Paul and Timotheus, better known as Timothy, the servant of Jesus Christ, all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons. Say amen right there, Brother Lamar, and the deacons. Amen, okay. Uh, Y'all read verse two, I'm tired. Go ahead and read verse two. Grace. I'm not really tired, I'm just tired of hearing myself. Look at verse three. It says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. All right, class, verse four. We'll get together in a minute. Look at verse five. It says, for your fellowship in the gospel. I want you to underline that. From the first day until now, and here's a great verse. Y'all read it, verse six. Being confident. All God's people said. Isn't that wonderful? It says, even as it meet for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart, as much as both in my bonds and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of of my grace. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in, ju- in all judgment that ye may being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. In verse 12. Okay, FBI, I got a question for you. You might not have got to Philippians yet, but where was this written from? Anybody know? Where was Paul at when he wrote the book of Philippians? prison. You may be seated. Father, thank you for the gospel of grace and the gospel that emphasizes the death, burial, and resurrection, which is the gospel. God, thank you for a gospel preacher. Thank you for a gospel missionary. 
Thank you for a gospel ambassador such as the Apostle Paul. God, thank you that he, the theme of Philippians is to be joyful when he's in prison. And so, Lord, dear God, help us not to fall apart during this pandemic and this political unrest and this crisis at the border and everybody uh, changing the culture and changing our history and all the junk that's going on. God, help us. God, help us not to be upset when Hollywood leaves Georgia. God, help us not to be upset when Major League Ball leaves Georgia. God, help us to be upset if you leave Georgia. And so, dear God, help us with your presence and your power, your peace that passes understanding. And God, if, if, if you can give Paul grace to write such an epistle of joy in jail, God, you can give us grace in 2021 when all this is happening around us that depress us, that concern us. God, that just disillusions us. God, thank you that we don't have to depend upon the president, vice president, Congress, or judicial system, or the judges for our peace. We can depend upon thee. And so, Lord, help us in a few minutes as we preach a message. I hope they'll encourage and give courage to every saint that's here and everyone that's listening by way of internet. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to see in the next few weeks that I preach, and I'll have Wesley preach and um, others preach in here. Uh, Brother Jeremy, I'll lead singing. No, not really. And uh, it's Brother Steve, who are like to preach some of these Wednesday nights, but I'd like to preach when I preach on Paul's prison prayers. Paul's prison prayers. You know, it's one thing when people start praying in the prayer closet when everything's comfortable and you have your little pillow and you're there and everything's hunky-dory and everything's going your way. There's a gentle breeze. But it's another thing to pray with joy and praise and confidence and courage when things are going wrong. When things are bleak, when things are unpredictable. Paul's in prison and he's still pressing towards the mark of the high calling. God help us in our whimsical, flimsy, uh, lackadaisical commitment to God. God help us. Sometimes we're just flippant. How about you? Sometimes I'm fickle. Don't you call me that to my face, but I am. I change my mind sometimes. And I, and I lose my joy sometimes. Have you ever lost your joy because of things going bad or things that you didn't predict? Well, one of the highest callings of our life is to pray for others. And here's Paul in jail, not feeling sorry for himself and not praying for release, but praying that God would bless the people of Philippi. And I want to I delve into some of the prayers, not only in Philippians, but Ephesians, about Paul's praying and Paul's preaching while he's in jail. Number one, I see the fellowship of the gospel. We know what the gospel is. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just for salvation. It's for sanctification. It's not just for sanctification. It's for sustaining and security and stability in times like these. You know, amen. We need tears, as Brother 
um, Travis so beautifully sung. And folks, don't ever apologize for weeping. Because when you weep, joy cometh in the morning. Say amen. Don't ever apologize for having a burden. Some people are so stoic, I wonder if they got a heart. Folks, we need to, we need to express ourselves. We don't need to be emotional wrecks, but we need to have a tender heart towards the lost. When's the last time you weeped over somebody lost? When's the last time you weeped over somebody backslidden, living in some ungodly state and, and, and uh, bitter or whatever they might be, out of the will of God? When's the last time you weep for them in prayer? And so Paul prays for his people. He prays for the fellowship of the gospel. And I want you to notice the first thing he prayed for. He said this, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's not just a beautiful salutation. That is a plea from God to give these people grace, to give himself grace. And if you have grace, you've got his you got his unmerited favor, but you got his strength, you got his presence, and thus you have his peace. Let me just put it this way. When you have Jesus, you have peace. When you're in God's will, you have peace. And I want to say this, let the peace of God rule in your heart, Colossians 3.15. That's what Paul wrote. And folks, when he's not ruling in your heart, you, you mark it down, you're out of the will of God. First thing he does is take the peace of God away from you. I mean, you're falling apart, not falling forth with the gospel. You're worried and stressful and fearful. And folks, that tells me right there that you're not drawn upon the grace and peace and presence of God. Precious memories of how God worked brought peace to his heart. Lydia, demon-possessed woman, the jailer and his family. He's reminiscing about what's happened in in the jails of Philippi. And he prays with joy. Folks, he's praying with joy, and he's praying for joy. Folks, he said, he said this, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And folks, he's thanking God for how God's worked in your life. And folks, you know, let's, 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 we know it's bad times, but look at verse 4. It says, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with what? Joy. Amen. Philippians 4, 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Now, he wouldn't have prayed for that if it wasn't possible. It's possible for you to have joy always. Not happiness, that depends on happenings. But joy, which depends on Jesus and his presence. And so, folks, peace is a, is a privilege that comes in, from the presence of God. And joy is uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Say amen. It's the fruit of yielding to the Spirit. It's the fruit of releasing the Spirit. And God used him to reach Lydia, the demon-possessed woman, the jailer, and all his family and his household, Acts 16. And folks, he's praying with joy. Now folks, in order to pray with joy and for joy, doesn't it say that in verse uh Three, the four, always in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy. Now he's in jail. He's probably got beat up. He might be facing the chopping block. He don't know. But I will tell you one thing. He knows God's still on the throne and that God has still used his gospel and God will bless. See, the fact of answered prayer brings joy. Turn to John 16, 24. John 16, 24. 
The Bible says in John 16, verse 24, I've got a few minutes, hope y'all do. It says, where the two have we asked nothing in my name? Asked and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. I could stop the service right here. We could have a praise gathering about prayers being answered. And if you don't give God the credit for what he's done, he might stop doing it. I mean, the reason you have a child that's alive is because of God. The reason you have health to get in this building is because of God. The reason you have a thought to uh, try to simulate this message is because of God. The reason you're going to heaven instead of hell, it's all because of Jesus. Amen? And folks, there ought to be some joy in our life by faith, by answer of prayer, and then by faithfulness. Look at the last phrase of verse 5. It says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. From the first day until now. I'll tell you what brings me joy. Is seeing y'all here. I want to tell you what brings me joy, and I know it's been hard for some of you, and some of you had not been back yet, and I don't know if you'll ever come back, and I'm going to give that to God, but I'll say this, friend, I thank God for your faithfulness. Whether it was here or there, whether it was listening at home or here, I know somebody's prayed for this preacher. I know somebody's prayed for this preacher's wife. I know somebody's prayed for God to move. And I want to tell you something, I know hundreds, not hundreds, Many preachers that have resigned during this time. I know many churches that ought to resign because it's, it's gone. Because people scattered, smothered, and chopped. And it's not hash browns at Waffle House either. I mean, they let the devil devour them. Devour their testimony, devour their faith, and devour their joy. And, and, and detour them from their place of prayer. Oh, we're guilty of that, aren't we? And folks, he said, I'm praying for you, making my request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel. So I want you to underline that phrase in your Bible, the fellowship of the gospel. I want to tell you why I have sweet fellowship with some of you I didn't know 20 years ago because of the gospel. I want to tell you why I feel closer to you than any family member on this earth because of the gospel. I want to tell you why I love seeing your face because some of your faces are not easy to see. Don't no, I mean, all our faces are like that because of the gospel. There's something special about the fellowship of the gospel. The fellowship around the gospel. We call each other brother and sister. I like that song. Speaking of courses, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And that second verse says we call each other, you notice we call each other brothers and sisters. That's not a Baptist cop-out when you met, when you forget somebody's name. Hey, brother, you know, hey, sister. It's a good cop-out, though. It's better than calling them, hey, you. But I want to tell you something. We are brothers and sisters because of the gospel. Then I want you to see, second of all, and I'll be very brief tonight, but I want you to see the furtherance of the gospel. The furtherance of the gospel. Look at verse 6. Verse 6. The Bible says this, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Folks, I want to tell you something. The greatest blessing on this earth is that God is in you, the hope of glory. Look at Colossians. Uh, what was that acrostic that Brother Gabe gave us the other day? Go ye 
was it? Galatians, Ephesians. Go everywhere preaching the gospel. That's better than General Electric Power Company ever thought about being. And that's how you find GEPC, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Galatians. I'll write it down sometime. But I want you to look at Colossians 1.27, one of the greatest verses in Colossians. The Bible says this. It says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory and the mysteries among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want to tell you why you should never recant. I want to tell you why you should never retreat and why you should never retire uh, from from the work of God and the gospel of God, why you should not tire of handing out the gospel, why you should not stop preaching, why you should stay in the ministry is because what God has started in you, he will complete. And you say, well, I don't think it's going to work out. Well, listen, don't doubt God. He works all things together for the good of them that love God are called according to his purpose. Remember the cloudy day when that tragedy took place? The devil wanted to whisper and say, look what Christianity got you. Hey, look what going to church got you. Hey, look what... uh, Look what's happening in your life. The untimely death of your son, your daughter. Your husband walks out on you. Your wife finds another fling and walks out on you. And you think, what's the use? And most people recant, most people retreat, and most people shake their fist at God and say, I don't believe you're going to complete no work in my life. God in you. God in you. Folks, I ought to keep you going. God in you ought to help you further the gospel. There's many a times I wanted to quit. There's many a times I felt like writing out my resignation. There's many a times that I wanted to accept that invitation for that far bigger church. But God said, what he began, he will complete in you. And I don't regret one bit staying in the same place in my first pastorate. This is my first pastorate. First time I tried this. First time my wife's ever been a pastor's wife. I think she's the best one in the world. I compare her to anybody. And I think she's better. (laughs) Amen. I'm trying to make up for not praying for her. Amen. But anyway, y'all go ahead and tell her that while you're telling her. But I want to tell you something, folks. God in you. And then number two, God is able. God is able. He says, being confident of this very fact, thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it. <laughs> He's able. Don't doubt God. Hey, doubt yourself. You ought to, but don't doubt God. Hey, doubt somebody else. You probably ought to. Doubt me. You probably ought to. I hope I've said a good testimony of faithfulness. But I want to tell you something. You better not doubt God because he is undoubtable. He is unchangeable. He is almighty. He's omnipotent, he's omniscient, he's all-knowing, praise God, he's God. He changes not. He's not fickle like us. He's not unpredictable like us. He said, I will perform it. What I've begun, I will complete. If he saved you, you're going to heaven. If he saved you, you ought to be sanctified. If he saved you, you ought to serve him. If he saved you, you ought to get back up when you feel like laying down. You ought to get back up when you feel like quitting. You ought to feel, you feel, you ought to feel 
this, that, hey, I can't go on, but God, you said you'd go on, so I'm going to trust you to do the own. So just go on. For the furtherance of the gospel. He said in verse 12, all these things have fallen out for the furtherance of the gospel. The beatings, the scourgings, the stonings, the desertion from the church. His own countrymen turned on him. His own church members turned on him. In nakedness, in peril, in hunger, in thirst, in cold. He said, my God will perform it to the end. You ought to memorize this verse. Being confident of this very thing, he which has begun a good work in you will perform it, will perform it. God in you, God is able, and God is the author. God is the author. Anything good in your life is from God. Don't you forget it. <clears throat> By the way, I'll get off on this tangent one more time before you totally leave this church. God created you with a distinct purpose and a distinct gender. And thank God with a distinct personality. And the Bible says in Psalms 139, he knew you when you was in the womb. So when did he create you? At conception. Say amen right there. A bunch of liberals that think abortion is not sinful. I want to say this, I want to say it clearly. God is the author. The last time I checked, God does not make junk. Say amen. amen. <clears throat> A lot of people is against all science and all medicine. But I want to tell you something. God has given doctors sense to do what they're doing. I can't do it. <clears throat> I have to trust my doctor. <clears throat> it's hard for me. It's hard for me to go to the doctor. I don't like to go to the doctor. I don't like the checkups. <clears throat> I definitely don't like them taking blood out of my body. Amen. Time I passed out when I was a <clears throat> freshman in college in front of all these beautiful girls that were lined up behind me to have their physical, and I was having my physical. And I passed out dead in the floor. <clears throat> Why? Because I saw my own blood. <laughs> and I want to tell you something, that was embarrassing. But I'm glad they picked me back up, put an ammonia pill under my uh, thing, and I just told all those people who was watching at Davison's grocery, not grocery store, department store, where we're all going to work as Georgia State students working our way through college. Nothing wrong with that either, praise God. That's what uh, My son gave up a full scholarship at Tennessee Temple because they were going away from the King James Version and worked, and worked himself to death to get through Crown College. Nothing wrong with that. The only thing that was wrong with that is he sold credit cards, which I don't like. I use them, but I don't like them. And the, and the trouble was he sold them in a heathen place. Not in a bar, but in the Vol Stadium. Now, you can't get any lower than that. Amen. And he come back from college being a volunteer instead of a bulldog. God help us. The world's coming to an end. And I thought to myself, but he worked his way through. And you know something? He's a hard worker now. Came by my house yesterday. Him and his little old son, Bryce, my grandson, 12 years old, 10 years old. They got up at 4 o'clock making deliveries in Nashville and Chattanooga with his marble company. I said, praise God, he knows how to work. Ain't nothing wrong with working. 
Brother Joe, you work hard. God is the author, but he expects you to work with what he gives you. Be disciplined. Be faithful. God is the one we're going to give account to. Look at verse 6. It says, he'll begin a good work in you and perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. You're going to give account of how much you believe this verse, that God saved you and certainly he will sustain you and there's no place to quit. Amen. Hey, you're going to give account at the judgment seat of Christ how faithful you were to yield to his power that's able. Not how faithful you were to yield to your personality or your uh, peculiar uh, attributes. No, yield to God who is able. So let's read this verse to get uh, all the whole verse. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 12. It says this, but I would have you understand, brethren, I'm in jail, I've been beat to a pulp, that the things which have happened unto me, and they were bad things, they were horrible things, they were uh, terrible, excruciating, painful things, has happened unto me, has fallen out unto the furtherance of the gospel. So you have the fellowship of the gospel, but you have the furtherance of the gospel. It's easy to fellowship around the gospel. It's easy to come to church for most of you, but it's hard to further the gospel because you're afraid you'll get your little feelings hurt when you hand out a track. You're afraid that uh, you won't be received. I guarantee if you was making a living selling vacuum cleaners, you'd go ahead and do it and get your feelings hurt. Say amen. I've hurt many a vacuum cleaner salesman because they tried to pressure me into never get one old guy come by and he started sucking the dust off the ceiling, went under my couch. I just said, praise God, this is good. I just let him do it. Then he wanted to go in my bedroom and suck the dust out from under my bed. And I was going to do it and my wife stopped him. Then he said, okay, that'll be... uh, about, I think it was a Kirby, and it's going to cost me $1,395. I looked at him and I said, my word, can you ride that thing? Does it have blinkers? Does it have a cab with air condition? I had never heard of anybody spending $1,395, and this was several years ago, down on 1100 cents drive, and I said, I'm just going to pray about this. And I'm going to tell you what that salesman said. He said, you don't have to pray about it. That's when I kicked him out the front door. In the name of Jesus, I kicked him out the front door. I said, don't you tell me I don't have to pray, son, about everything. But I said, I'm going to tell you something. I learned through a financial guru that the best way to put off you high-pressure salesmen is tell you I'm praying about it. So whether I pray about it or not, I ain't buying. But you know something? I guarantee he went next door. I guarantee you he didn't quit that day because the preacher didn't spend $1,395 for a Kirby. I guarantee he went on door to door. Why? To make a buck. To support his wife. She's a big spender. Support the children. They're big eaters. But folks, I want to tell you something. Sometimes we're not received when we hand out the gospel and we want to go home and tuck our little uh, pride up and go home and say it's not good. I want to tell you something. Paul was beat to a pulp. He was in jail, and he said, all this has happened. 
has happened not for me to fall apart, but for the feathers of the gospel. Let me close by giving you the third thing. I see the foundation for the confirmation of the gospel. That's what it says. Look at verse 7. It says, even as it were meet for me to think this of you, all because I have you in my heart. Isn't that wonderful to have somebody praying for you in jail? It says, in so much as both in my bonds and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel. There it is. The defense of the confirmation of the gospel. Brother Jeremy, you cannot improve on the words of the Bible. It says, the defense of the confirmation of the gospel. Ye all are partakers of my grace. Now, folks, he goes on to describe the confirmation of the gospel. Look at verse 8. He says, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Heart for God, a heart from God, a heart for each other. I want to tell you something, friend. Don't lose heart for others. Don't lose heart when there's problems and trials in this world. I'll tell you what, if you, look, if you watch too much news, you'll lose heart. What you got to do is read God's good news after you watch this bad news. It's a heart for God. Verse 8 says, you confirm the gospel when you have a heart for God. But also, it says here, a heart for others. A heart for others. It says, for God is my record how greatly I long after you, all in the bowels of the deep inner being of my of Jesus Christ. That this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. That you may approve things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of the righteousness which is by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Folks, he said, listen, the foundation and the confirmation of the gospel is this, you have a heart for God. Don't try to go witness to people and hand out tracts if you do it like a robot. And if you do it like you've been made to go on visitation. Thank God I was amazed at the forecast Saturday morning. Rainy, stormy, windy. I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Miss Connie. I'm not even going to remind these folks that we have visitation. Now, we have some bad Friday nights. Go ahead. I said, I ain't even going to remind them because they probably shouldn't come. And by the way, they ain't going to come. So they ain't nobody going to show up. So I thought there'd be about three or four people here, and I walked in, and I just dropped my jaw when I said, man, this place is full. 31 people out in the inclement weather, and I said, thank God these folks have missed going out visiting for the last year and a half, and they're, no matter if it's rain, sleet, or snow, they're going to take the gospel. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. I could have charged hell with a squirt gun Saturday morning. Me and old Peyton went all the way to Sugar Valley, Georgia, looking for you, Hunter. And boy, we had a good ride. Down Russell Hill Road, he talked. He never stopped talking, Grandma. He never stopped talking. He told me some things you don't want me, you don't want to you don't want me to know. I guarantee you. He was telling me things I could not believe. I said, Peyton, 
if you'll just take a deep breath, we're going to pray about this first visit. I said, you go up and knock on the door. There's a big dog around there. No, I didn't say that. And we had a good, we had a good time. But I was all so thankful. There was a church that had a heart for God and a heart for souls and a heart for each other. And it wasn't a have to on a Saturday morning. Now, if you had to be here Saturday morning and your wife drugged you with rope burns, don't you tell this preacher I was encouraged by you being here. I'm encouraged every time you walk in this door. And I'm amazed that you still do. Folks, the Bible says in John 13, 35, they'll know that you're disciples because you Love God? No, it didn't say that. Because you love souls? No, it didn't say that. It says they'll know that you're disciples because you love one another. Folks, the church is a called out assembly. But not only is the church a called out assembly, it's assembly of love. I'm going to tell you something. Brother Chris and Miss Kathy don't have to go through this by themselves. They have a church that loves them. I feel sorry for anybody out of the will of God when they die and they don't have a church family and they're lost. I feel sorry for them because there's no comfort. I mean, people come by and give you a ham sandwich or a flower, but that's not like prayer and that's not like somebody to cry with you and put your arm around you and, and lift you up and, and say, I've been through this. I lost a, a daddy. I lost a mother. I know how you feel and I pray with you right now. And I love you. And that happened last Sunday night. All the church was praying and all the church was concerned. And all the church was hurting with Miss Kathy and Brother Chris. I just I want to say this. You can't do that long distance. You got to risk getting close. You got to be part of the family of God. You got to be part of the ministry of God. And so let me just close by saying this, and I'll just, I'll just give you this one word. It says that he's praying for the confirmation of the gospel, and he uses a word that's so wonderful here. He said this, he says, that you may approve things which are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day, listen now, to the day of Christ. He's coming soon, he's saying, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, don't compromise, which are in Christ Jesus and to the glory and praise of God. And he says this. He said, friend, in verse 9, he says, For this I pray that your love may abound. Let me close that one word. You confirm the gospel when you abound. Not when you just meet the limits not when you can just keep the rules. It's not when you just dot the I's and cross the T's and you're some fundamentalist. But when you abound, when you go the second mile, it's a picture of a river's perpetually being fed with rain and fresh streams and it continues to swell and it overflows the banks and the adjacent plains. Abound in love. Galatians 5.22 Abound means a more excellent way, 1 Corinthians 14, 33. Abound in all judgment. That means you have a clear perception, a full enjoyment of the things concerning salvation. You approve the things that are excellent, not the things that are just good, but the things that are best. And you're sincere. 
is a compound of two words. It means without wax. In the Bible days, they would sell statues and they would say sincerka. They'd use the Greek word. I don't know the Greek word. But they'd use those two words to say, hey, listen, it's without wax. It's true marble. It's pure. It abounds in an authenticity. And folks, listen, the strongest light is the one that shines brightest in the dark. And folks, we need to realize the light of God's Word and the light of God's Spirit should make us so sincere till the day of Christ. And here's the motive, verse 11, and to the glory and praise of God. You know, you're going to give account one day of why you did what you did. And if you're here for any other reason to worship God, You've lost your rewards. If you're here for any other reason but to praise God, the bottom line of our praying and our propagating the gospel is for His glory. We're not here. We don't go soul winning on Saturday morning to build a Sunday school, to build a church, to fill these pews. That's fine and dandy, but I want to tell you something. I don't believe it's the will of God for them to stay empty. But folks, we go that some soul might get saved and then they bring glory to God. They bring glory to God. And folks, I'll tell you what, that ought to keep you abounding with the foundation of confirmation of the gospel. So three things we learned in verse chapter one through chapter one, one through twelve, is that the fellowship of the gospel is what Paul prayed for them to have. The furtherance of the gospel. What God started, he'll complete. And all that's happened to me is not for me to fall apart or for you to fall apart. It's for the furtherance of the gospel. It's falling out for the furtherance of the gospel. Well, that's a great way to look at life. It, and it, everything that happens to you is for the furtherance of the gospel. Not for you to get further from the gospel, but for the furtherance of the gospel. To make you a more pungent witness. To make you a light in a dark time. To make you salt in a frivolous world. And then last but not least, the foundation of the confirmation is this. You just abound in his love. You stay faithful. You stay sincere. And you do it all for his glory. And somebody's going to say, you're proof positive evidence of the gospel. What's the gospel? Death, burial, and resurrection. They're going to say, the way you live, there must be a living God in your life. Father, use this message. Please, I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm begging you, God, to help us to realize we're put here for the furtherance, for the confirmation, for the fellowship of the death, burial, and resurrection of the gospel. God, help us have faith that you're the author and you're the finisher of our faith. What you have begun, you will complete. It will just let you. God, forgive us for getting in the way. Forgive us for pouting and panicking instead of praying and praising and rejoicing in your grace and your peace that you give us day by day. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a brief invitation, let me say tonight, God is challenging my heart about the gospel. I want to be proof positive evidence of the death, burial, and resurrection. 
I want to stay in the fellowship of the gospel. I don't want to leave this church. I don't want to leave a gospel-preaching church, a gospel-believing church, and I definitely don't want to leave a loving church. And that's what we ought to be. And I, by the grace of God, no matter what happens in my life, I don't want to fall apart, but I want it to fall out for the furtherance of the gospel. And that's your prayer tonight. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer? i got to raise mine. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this powerful chapter. Lord, I could preach an hour more on it. But God, I believe that you've spoken. Lord, you've challenged hearts. You've challenged minds. And I thank you for it. God, work in hearts and help us, God, to get a burden for souls. But God, most important of all, help us to get a burden for your glory. We glorify you as confirmation of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.